I'm excited about tonight. I'm excited about our missions conference. I'm excited that somebody's going to get in the way so that an individual doesn't have to wind up in an eternal hell. You and I are going to do that. We're not going to pass that responsibility off to anyone else. We're going to say, choose me, pick me. Our speaker tonight is a wonderful speaker that uh, comes out of the great state of Texas. Matter of fact, West Texas. His name is Roger Kirkendall. His wife, Lori, has two young adult children, and uh, God uh, used them uh, on a staff and a staff pastorate. They also uh, served in the West Texas District. The uh, youth director, that means over all the churches and youth divisions, served as that youth director. He got involved in Chi Alpha and serving in the universities there. And then the Lord called them, of course, to East Africa. They arrived in Tanzania and, uh, in 2006 and began to minister immediately. But then they saw in that first term, there's something more that we need to do. And God moved their attention to the Muslims on Zanzibar, there in the islands on the coast of Tanzania. And then they started to, to develop the live dead teams. Live dead teams are those couples that say, no matter what, no matter what danger, no matter what the case, no matter what the circumstance, we will not shrink back, nor will we run. We will stand there in the face of conflict if necessary, to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. This man right here has developed those teams in that area. He'll have two more up and running in 18 months. That's a good group of individuals that say, Lord, thy will be done even unto death. I want you to welcome our guest tonight, Roger Kirkendall, everybody. Here he comes. Pastor, blessings. I almost wondered who he was talking about. Around, who is he introducing there? It is an honor and a joy to be with you this evening and to celebrate what God is doing across the globe. Amen? And as you can see that I have, uh, it is unfortunate that I stand here. I do not have my wife to, to introduce, so we have a picture that you can see. You can see that I look so much better when she is standing beside me. Yes, and so, Yeah. So she sends her greetings to you and looks forward to the opportunity in the future to get to meet you. And uh, as Pastor said, we, we are part of Live Dead. And if you are unfamiliar, let me just do a brief, brief review. Live Dead is church planting to unreached people groups through teams. Whew. It's exciting. We don't go alone. We don't go alone, which means welcome to the team. Some of you are like, wait a minute, are we signing up here? What's going on here? No, we can't do this without you. We cannot do this without you. This is a part of being a, uh, in partnership and, and globally connected, recognizing that together we are responsible for every person that is living and breathing on this planet right now, whether they live across the street or across the a world. It is our responsibility to get the message of life and hope to them. Amen? Amen. Now you ought to say, let's go. To that end, we're together, amen? Well, as, as uh, being a part of Live Dead, we carried the message and the gospel to the islands of Zanzibar, Muslim islands that are there. And by virtue of that, we do not serve as missionaries on that island because they don't allow missionaries. They actually allow two missionaries, the Anglican and the, and the Catholic missionary, because they don't reach anybody. 
That's kind of their agreement. So they don't allow missionaries. So we're there as a businessman, as teachers. And so our creative access onto the, onto the island are businesses that teach education. So uh, our, we have named ours Aslan Centers for Education. If you're familiar with the Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan is, is a lion. And for those of you that are just good old timers, are you ready for this? We're Aslan Associates. That's the name of our business. It's just a creative way of saying Christ's ambassadors. Woo! Come on. <laughs> um, we have multiple schools, and uh, as we're there targeting the Swahili coast, we've got a um, team out on Comoros Islands. We, we're, we refer to them as the Forgotten Islands. They're between Madagascar and, and Mozambique. And we target the Swahili coast. But as I'm standing here, I'm not just representing the Swahili coast and our islands. I'm going to tell stories about where we are and what we're doing because that's what I'm most familiar with. But even as I tell these stories, I'm just letting you know that I am here representing all your missionaries. And uh, even uh, my good friend, Chris Exley, who is here with us tonight, has been with us this week. And he is representing all those that are targeting Somalis. And uh, Somalia, that, that's just a nice, fun place to go, right? Everybody wants to go vacation there, right? No, it's uh, an amazingly difficult and challenging place to be. But uh, as we look at the challenges of, of getting the gospel out, and, and the, um, there are many challenges. This has been an unbelievably difficult season for us, and we've had challenges on many different levels. But what I, the message that I want to hear I want you to hear tonight is that with every challenge, we remind ourselves that it is an amazing opportunity for God to do something great. And sometimes it's easy to get to lose sight of that. And if there's one thing that you leave here with tonight, I want to come back to that point and say, whatever challenge that you are facing, are you seeing it through the eyes of faith that God could use you for the advancement of his kingdom? If so, then he's calling us to be obedient and, and to be used to advance his kingdom through our lives. As we, um, we have Aslan Centers for Education, we use our centers, we have schools, um, the building we're currently uh, challenged. For example, the challenge that we face this year is um, our, our owner, we have been renting our facility for the last six years, and he decided that he loves what we've done with the building, so much so that he wanted it back. And so as we began to do the, the math, we realized, wow, it would make more sense if we actually bought a building. And so this challenge and this opportunity, this challenge turned to opportunity because buildings are hard to come by where we live in our islands. Finding one that fits our needs and works for us that's affordable, it's just an amazing challenge. And so um, I got a call and said, there is a building and the owners want you to have it. Here's a picture of the guys that uh, and this is their building. This, they own this building. And the next picture shows a, me with, their, with two brothers that own this building. They had family that had attended our school, and they loved what we were doing. And they said, we have an offer on this building that is greater than what you're offering. And they can pay us cash right now. And I was like, ooh, are you sure? He said, yes. Because, are you ready for this? He said, because I believe you're going to be a light to this community. I said, yes, we are. Yes, we are. God 
took a difficult situation and turned it and used it for his glory. And as a result of that, the one on the left there, we're about a month apart in age, so he calls me his twin. We look so much alike. But God's taken and taken challenging situations and using them. Not only that, but uh, we've had every member of our team, every person that we've been reaching, we call them pops. So if I forget, I try to think in a vernacular, I try to speak, make sure I explain that. It's a person of peace. And as we engage people in our community, we find people that are not just open, but uh, that are that are not just open to hearing it, but are very interested in hearing it. And we work through a process of building relationships with these people through the school, through our engagement with the community, just, uh, just living there. And so every person that we are engaging with the message who's either made a decision or is just somewhere in the process has had unbelievably challenging times. The next picture shows a, a, a family that, uh, a, a young man that for six months was imprisoned, falsely imprisoned for something that he did not do simply because... He had a Christian name. Because he was falsely accused, it was a simple crime, but they were afraid that he would run. And instead of releasing him and letting him out on bail, we went every week pleading his case, and they held him for six months. The guy there in the, uh, the, the second from the, from the left there. The one on the left is his brother. Amazing story. They're from a Muslim family. It's a crazy situation. The father um, was brought to church, went to a Lutheran church, and someone had convinced him that, that the church was the answer. Well, how many of you know that that's really not the case? Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. And if without Jesus, it's just a social agenda. It's just, it's just a social uh, answer. And he discovered that the church was not the answer, but he had a season of his life where he had got married, and he had kids during that time, and he gave them Christian names. When he realized that the church wasn't the answer, he went back to Islam, had three other wives, and named them all Muslim names, and he raised the whole family into Islam. Ten years ago, uh, this one on the left, his name is Godfrey, what's a Christian name, um, was a Muslim, and he, he gave his heart to the Lord. And he is, as a result of that, through walking through that with him, he is beginning to lead his entire family to the Lord out of Islam. The challenging situation that to face. I'll come back to God for you in just a bit. As we look at making a decision for Christ, sometimes we wonder why. As Pastor said, we're taking this to taking this gospel and we're not retreating. We do thank you for your partnership. Because the places that remain in the hard and difficult places, they will not be done in a year. They're not immediately reapable. It takes great effort. And uh, we've made a commitment that we're there until the task is done, but we can't do that without your partnership. And I, and I say we, I'm speaking for not just our team on the Swahili Coast, I'm speaking for all of us. And we appreciate that. But as, as we look at this, where, where does this come from? Well, I, I love this wonderful passage in Matthew chapter 28. Are you familiar with that one? The one at the, I don't know if you've heard this one before. Stop me if you've heard it. I'm joking. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus said unto them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, okay, let me, I grew up in church. 
This empty pew right here, the number two right over here. My mom played the organ over here, small country, West Texas church. I was close enough she could give me the look. You know, you're going to get it when you get home if you don't behave, you know. I've heard lots of missionary messages, and this is what I heard right here. Go! Anybody else hear that message? I heard that a lot. The emphasis was always on go, right? I mean, that's what I remember. That may not have been what they were preaching, but that's what I remember was we have to just go. I mean, in a young person, I just want to get up and let's, let's just go. I mean, just want to run out the building. I didn't know where we were going. I didn't know what was going on, but let's just go. Let's get there fast. That's how I felt, you know? I was inspired. I was ready to go do this. Go! There's a lot to this message. Go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Every one of these components are absolutely essential to the message that Jesus was speaking. When Jesus speaks, you know that red letter section, you know? It's not for fluff. He doesn't just pack it in with fluff. When he says something, it means something. So let's look at the very first part of that. He begins by saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. As I have been sent, so I am sending you with all authority and all power. Well, it's quite an unusual thing that I'm here on a Wednesday night after our midterm elections. I don't know if you're happy or sad with the elections, but I'm telling you that I'm so glad that my faith and my hope and my trust is not in those elections and the results of it and and what they do there, right? No, it's what he does. And I know that sometimes we look at this little passage, where we're coming from, Having a president that we can badmouth, we may not fully understand this passage. If, we're not, if we don't slow down and take a moment to stop and actually consider it and to realize who is telling us, who's giving us this command, it's Jesus, our God and our King. You see, we don't understand this because as a king, when a king, that sovereign vassal relationship, when the king speaks, you just obey. That's how it works, right? He speaks, we listen, we obey. Well, if we just think of it like the presidency, then, I mean, this wonderful thing that we've experienced, we enjoy democracy where we get to vote. But in the monarchy of the kingdom of God, it's not a democracy, folks. He speaks and we listen and we obey. I know some of you are thinking, is he calling us to East Africa? No. I'm not calling you anywhere. I'm telling you, God is not silent. He is still speaking. And we must be obeying. We must obey. God's speaking to your heart, and I'm trusting that even the Spirit of God is quickening your heart right now. Next story is this man who uh, was born a Muslim into a Muslim family on the mainland of Tanzania. And he, as a young child, contracted leprosy. He never attended one day of school because of leprosy. Yep, the man in the middle there. Sorry, the, the photo, the light is behind him there. He, he came to visit us on Zanzibar. Didn't, go to, didn't get to spend one day in school. Leprosy was an outcast. And as a young adult with leprosy advancing in his body, 
He tried everything. He went everywhere, went to, tried every doctor, every, and they're like, there's no cure for leprosy. There's nothing that we can do. He went to the witch doctor and said, give me anything. I'll do anything you have to say. The witch doctor tried him. He did every crazy thing he could do. No cure. He finally went to the imam and said, you're the spiritual man. Can't you ask God to heal me? And the imam says, I can't do that. But there's this church. Shall I, shall I add a little addendum there? There's this Assemblies of God church. And I don't know what's going on, but people are getting healed down there. You need to go down there. So he went down there and he knocked on the door and the pastor came out and, and they sat together and he says, I've been sent here because I've been told you can heal me. And the pastor said, I can't heal you, but Jesus can. But before I pray for you to be healed, you need to understand that when Jesus healed you, when he, when he heals you, there's going to be an expectation that you need to follow him. He said, if Jesus will heal him, I'll give him my entire life. I'll give him everything. You can't see it in the picture, but he has completely healed except for his pinkies. And those pinkies, he said, those are a reminder of what God has done. I will never forget what God has done for me. So he begins to follow Jesus, going to attend church. And um, in his time in church, he believes God is calling him to be a pastor. So he says, I need to go to Bible school. Go to the Bible school up the road. He has somebody fill out an application because he's illiterate. And they said, um, we really don't have a place for people who can't read and write. He said, well, do you have anybody that can help me? And they said, no, no, you don't understand. We're not accepting your application. He said, you can't deny it because God has told me I'm supposed to come here. They said, all right. I mean, you know, when God, somebody throws the God card, you know, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> so he says, they say, okay, but here's what we're going to do. You've got one semester. And at the end of this semester, if you're not passing your classes, then you just have to leave. He said, okay. At the end of this semester, they call him in and they say, you lied to us. He was at the top of the class. All the time he's going to Bible school, he's going to be a pastor. But God begins to speak to his heart about the background that he's come from being a Muslim. And he's moved about the island of Pemba. Zanzibar is made up of two islands, Unguja and Pemba. And he's Muslim. It's almost 99% Muslim. The island of Pemba is extremely Muslim. So almost 20 years ago, at this point, he has a family with two small children, and he moves his family to the island of Pemba. And for 20 years, he's been on that island. And he's had five converts. When they have service, they have a, a sheet metal roof, and they throw rocks on the roof. And they, it's just deafening. When you're sitting inside there, they just throw, keep throwing rocks so you can't have service. They can't hear. So they just stop and just have prayer. They said, well, it's not going to stop us. So they just have all-out prayer meeting and just wait till they finish, and then they go back right back into worship. And it's just a handful of people there. And there are people that attend the church, but there are believers that have moved to the island for jobs. It's not converts. 
And so I said, I'd asked him, I said, tell me about your converts. Where are they? What's happened? He said, every one of them, within two weeks of having made a decision, disappear. He said, I don't know where they are. We're just praying that they have moved them off the island, that they've not done something more drastic, more dangerous. I said, how are you doing when it comes to food? This is, this is, this is uh, um, uh, um, almost 10 years ago when I first met him. How are you doing for food? He goes, well, they're starting to sell us food now. We can buy food, but it's twice the price. They tried to starve us out. They wouldn't let us buy anything. We couldn't get anything. But with these challenges, he's adapted. I said, so what are you doing with your strategy for reaching the lost? He says, well, I've got this plan. I said, okay, I'm listening. He said, when someone... When someone comes to me like I came to that, that pastor, then I meet them. I tell them to meet me in a field, and it's a crossways. And so we will pick a time, and we will come by different directions, and we'll meet at a spot, and we'll talk for 15 minutes at the most, and then we'll leave by a direction different than what we came. I was like, is it working? He goes, I meet with at least two people a week this way. He is not slowing down. So I ask him, as, as I'm asking him about what it's like there, and I'm saying, how difficult, and why are you still here? He looked at me with the most unusual expression. He said, because he hasn't told me to leave. He only told me to go. Earlier this year, there are other agencies you know, there are other missionary agencies out there. But this is the best one. We are the most resourced and the best taken care of. We've given everything we need to get the task done. Thank you. There are other agencies that have been on the island, but they have, they have failed in one area because they send individual units. They don't send a team. And earlier this year, one of the individuals, and we've been connected with them and trying to trying to bring them into our fellowship to, to, for community for their sake. Um, it's a husband and wife family, and two small children. And earlier this year, one of the guys that he was reaching, as he was taking the guys home after a time of just playing games, just playing games, one of the guys, in the, uh, the last one in the car, um, as he was dropping him off last, um, tried to kill him, tried to cut his head off. From the back seat, grabbed his head and tried to, and it wouldn't, the knife wouldn't cut. So he flips it over, it still wouldn't cut. So he grabs the seat and he cuts the seat, it cuts, but he won't, it wouldn't cut. So God is protecting. And this is, we've had unbelievably challenging time with visas this year. We've been trying to get on that island for a year and a half. And then our team gets the news of this attempted murder on the other team member. That can strike fear into your heart. Make you start to wonder. And as we start praying about this and waiting for the visas to come for our team to be able to move to that island, we're waiting for that. We're praying that God would absolutely give us direction forward on this. While we're doing this, there's a young girl that's attending our school on, on, the, on the island that we're on. And 
she observes. We have, we, we have demonic manifestations in our classrooms all the time. They'll say, what's wrong with her? Oh, she has a demon. I mean, here, that, that would freak you out, I'm sure. But where we live, it's just commonplace. And the girl watched and observed as when that happens, we just take and pray with them. We take and pray with them and ask them, would you like to be free? Jesus will set you free. As we were leading another girl, set, seeing her set free, and she saw that transformation, she just immediately steps up and says, I want it. <laughs> I, I, I want that. I, I want what you have. I, I want this right now. So they prayed with her and led her to the Lord. While the other girl's being delivered, who didn't make a decision to follow Jesus. She said, I want this. Well, then we discover she's from the island of Pemba. From the island of Pemba. And due to a family hardship, she has to return back to Pemba. So it was an unusual thing. And we're thinking, oh my goodness. She says, oh, you're going to go to Pemba? Yes, we're waiting to start our team. We're going to help you with that. She calls us three weeks later and says, my father is in the hospital on the mainland and he's not expected to live. So we load up our team, and, we, and, and six of our team members go over by boat to the mainland and go into his hospital room and pray for him. And they pray for him, pray that God would heal him. And then afterwards they thought to ask, well, what's wrong? <laughs> he said, they say I need this drug that they don't have. What is it? It's insulin. One of the team members right there was a diabetic who had insulin on her, and they just gave it to her, gave it to him, and it saved his life. Last month, we're, no, we're in November now, so September, we moved the team to the island. And when we moved the team to the island, I went with them and we were launching and setting up, and it was their family that was receiving them. Received them and said, we are welcoming you into our family. We're welcoming you into our community. Helped us find the, build, the place to, to do the school and the houses. And they're bringing in, brought, the, brought all the furniture and things by boat. And as the, the, they put it on a truck and the truck is driving down these bad roads and he makes a wrong turn and he high centers the truck. You can't go forward and you can't go backwards. And the guys are going, oh my goodness, this is just such a horrible thing. It's so bad. I can't believe this. And immediately the whole community just comes out. The whole community rocking and pushing on this truck to get it off high center. I mean, we're talking about a huge truck, massive. And then they follow it down to the house and help unload. We invite them back the next day. The family that, that, that we're, I think the picture is there of the, of the team leaders with the, with the girl. This is the girl that says, I want it, I want it. And this is her father that was healed with the insulin, with the prayers. They said, we're going to have a community lunch, and we're just going to feed you guys. I said, no, no, no. We're going to feed everybody. Bring everybody. Bring the whole community in. And they bring the whole community in, and the grandfather of the community says, I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over you guys. Baba, they call this man Baba, which is father. Baba, he's got, you, he's got your school because your school is in a little different area. It's a, little, it's a village over. But this village here, your houses, there will be no problem because if there's any problems, everybody has to go through me. And I'm going to pray that God blesses you. And welcome to our family. You see, there are amazing, tremendous challenges that God uses for great opportunity to advance his kingdom if we will keep walking through. Why? 
Because our God and our King said go. So when people ask you, why? Why are we doing this? Why a World Missions Conference? Because our God and our King said go. Why are you going across the street to greet your neighbor and not just greet them, but to challenge them with the truth? Because our God and our King said go. There are a lot of good quotes from Jim Elliott, missionary who martyred in Ecuador reaching the Indians, the Alka Indians. One that I like is, is he said, I, would, I do not want to be a fin post, fence post on the road that you pass by. I want to be a fork in the road so that when someone meets me, they're forced with a decision of making a decision for Christ. That's the life we should live, amen? That we should be challenging people with the message of who he is. We're not here calling you to any part of the globe. That's God's job. But what we're not letting you off the hook of is obedience. Because God is not silent. He's still speaking, and he's speaking to your hearts even now. I love all that you're doing. Man, as I sit there and listen to you share all the different opportunities, ringing the bell, these are great areas of serving your community and making a difference in this community. I love that. I love all the tables as I've walked all the way through. The opportunities to serve and to reach is amazing. But there are two aspects to the gospel. In evangelism and missions, there is affirmation and there is proclamation. Affirmation is living it out. So they see Jesus in us. But the proclamation is, is there's times we have to use our voice. There's times that we're proclaiming that and speaking that. I'm not sure where it is with your life. That may be a part of your life that you're struggling to actually to live the life that he's called you to. Your challenge may be the area of where you'll, you'll, you'll live, but you struggle with the proclamation, actually speaking the truth in love. But God's called us, and he sent us out. If you're waiting, he's already given the commission to go. Your God and your king has said go. Stand with me, if you will. If I miss the opportunity, I want to tell you again how much I enjoy being with you and sharing this time with you. If I've come across as antagonistic, please forgive me. That's not my goal. Not that at all. I want to see you become fulfilled in who God's called you to be. See you functioning at full capacity. It's really simple. It's obedience. If the prayer team and missionaries, those missionaries that are here, if you'll come forward. We're going to invite you to an opportunity to respond very quickly. For some of you, I wanted, I, some of you are saying, you know, Roger, I've made, this has been a tough year for me. I've gone through so many difficult things. I don't have time. I, can, I don't have the focus. I don't have, I've, I've been too busy focused on me just surviving. I want to invite you to make a step of faith, literally a step of faith, that God would open your eyes to see with eyes of faith the opportunities that exist before you, even through some of your most difficult, challenging times, to be used to advance his kingdom. 
That through eyes of faith, you'll look at your challenges and you'll not shirk away and say, this can't be God because it doesn't feel right. If this was God, it would be more comfortable. It would be more convenient for me. Those are not parameters that we can use to guide us in determining whether or not something that we're doing is the will of God. Because I tell you that when it comes down to it, (laughs) if if you're comfortable, you might be missing it. You might be missing some great opportunities. Um, First, I'm going to pray that God would open your eyes to see with eyes of faith through your challenges. And the second is, is that you will actually step out in obedience. As I said, this is not locative. Yes, the greatest need that we have on the globe, all across the globe, is people. We thank you for your money. That's a resource. We thank you. That helps us to buy buildings. That's a resource. But God's plan is people. People reaching people. I'm going to pray, and as I do, I'm, as I'm praying, you don't have to wait. As I'm praying, I'm challenging you to come and make a step of faith and an act of obedience and saying, Lord, I want to obey. If there's someone in your workplace, if there's someone across the street, if God is quickening your heart right now, if the Spirit of God is speaking to you, about a missed opportunity, you say, I need to seize that. I need, to, I need to be used, my hands, my feet, and my voice for his kingdom, for his glory. Why? Because our God and our King said go. Lord, we thank you because you are good. Lord, when you look at the world and the struggles that, we, that are all around us, Lord, that invade our lives even. Some of us, Lord, we've made a decision We stepped out before, and Lord, it's just been a challenge. Very, very difficult, Lord, to the point where we begin to doubt, doubt ourselves. Lord, it's easy, Lord, to have faith for someone else. It's easy to hear someone else's story. It's easy, but when it's about me making that decision, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that I'd not skip over opportunities, Lord. When a guy runs into me on his motorcycle, an opportunity, Lord. When a new neighbor moves in across the street, Lord, an opportunity. Lord, everywhere I look, there are opportunities. And I pray, Lord, that we're not just looking through our normal eyes, but through eyes of faith, we could see what you can do through us to advance your kingdom as we listen and we obey. I pray, Lord, as a result of these lives lived unto you, that there would be a tremendous harvest of souls. Lord, as they pray, as they give, and as they go, may the task be accomplished, Lord, to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Would you uh, just be uh, kind enough to as a uh, action of surrender to God would it be too much to ask for you just to turn your palms upward and say God I truly want your will in my life and you use me can you do that right where you are Heavenly Father with our palms up to you as a point of surrender we desire to be used by you That may be stopping alongside the road and helping someone. It might be offering a 
a little bit of cash out of our pocket to someone else. It might be calling someone. It might be offering a word of encouragement. It might be standing in the gap when there's conflict and declaring the truth of God's Word, knowing that the minute that we do, you're going to be ridiculed. It might be, Father, that we leave the place of comfort and go to a place where we've never been before. We ask you, because we pray for our young people, pray for our young adults, that you would speak to them and give us a great generation of young people who who desire to not be satisfied with the comforts of the world in which they live, but desire to to pull back the blinds of darkness and to wade in and say, God, here's a portion of my life. Use it as you choose. Father, so we surrender to you and we thank you. And then, Lord, we know that we're not only here just to hear a wonderful message and many stories and to hear the testimonies that took place Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. God, we want those kind of stories right here. We want them to take place among our family, among our church, among those that we work with, Father. And we know that for those stories to take place and become testimonies, we have to be obedient. We just have to be. Something has to change. And Lord, we know that the primary purpose of our conference is to pray, 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 pray. Pray for our missionaries. Pray for the families. Pray for the darkness to be pushed back. But it's also, Father, to sacrifice, to reach into our heart, our asset, our our skill set, our pool of resources, and say, God, it's all yours. Here it is. I'll be obedient to do what you want me to do. And Lord, we believe that if you answer this prayer, some lives are going to be changed in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. You might be uh, seated for a moment. Ushers, come. Thank you, altar workers. Let me uh, say we're going to have a worship song in a moment. Let me encourage you to give and give consideration. You have the envelope that you received Sunday. You should have received it in it's in the uh, pew back, and it's the card. And if you say, I, I want to be a giver, and I need to do that tonight for a faith promise, we want to encourage you to go ahead and do that tonight. What we prefer is for you to be here Sunday morning and Sunday night. You notice I didn't say Sunday morning or Sunday night. I said Sunday morning and Sunday night, and let's complete these together. Let's take faith. Let's work together. Let's believe God. And then, of course, there is a one-time offering there. So if you have to do it tonight, do it. If not, let's all do it together Sunday. Right now, we're asking you for an offering for the support of our, our missions program. That is the cash offering. I'm asking you to do something. I'm asking you to, to say, God, I know that needs has to be met. What is it you want me to do? Sharon and I are making a faith promise We always do, and we're going to continue to do to the program, but we always give a cash offering to help in some way or another to meet the demands of the program. And so I'm asking you to do that. And how can you do that if you never have an opportunity? I don't know, someone might be in this room right now, and God laid $5,000 on your heart. I don't want you to have to go to the weekend before you give it. You can give it tonight. 
and that offering bag passes, you just let us know, and we'll see that that need is met. How many of you know God is in the need-meeting business? Amen? Amen. Some of you are a little shy to raise your hand because you're afraid that I'll see you. And I'll say, well, you mean that to meet a need. Now I'm on the line. Just do what God directs you to do. Amen. God bless you as we continue to worship. Stay with us a few more minutes. stand. Take your time and look at the tables, okay? Over here, you're going to find two young ladies. They're missionaries. They're single gals. And God's called them to be in missions, and they have a table of their missions organization. Candy, of course, is over here, right on the corner. Uh, you know Randy Herring, the best-looking part of the family as his spouse. He's in Honduras, we believe. But she's carrying on the mission. We have others like Dean Elliott, one of our missionaries who's visiting with us tonight. Others of you that have a table. And you know what? This is their opportunity of resource. Take Heart is out there. You'll see a blonde standing out there. Standing by that booth, that would be Delta. And if there's a guy who has no hair, that would be her husband, Mike. You might want to stop. What I'm trying to tell you is, a lot of people have done a lot of things, and these missionaries are here. You know what their life's like raising money? Get in a car, fill up with gas, go to the engagement, get in the car, go to a hotel, eat food somewhere in a drive through and do that over and over again. And it's so wonderful when they come to a church like this church, and you take the time to say, hey, I just wanted to say thanks to you. This, this Sunday night, I went to shake the hands of a missionary, and I had a little cash in my pocket, and, uh, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me as I shook his hand and said, I want you to give him. I mean, just like that. I, I, I shook his hand a little longer than usual, 
because I wanted to be sure that, that it was God. But here's what I figured out. It's real simple. I'm going to do yard talk. God ain't ever going to tell you to give to a man or a woman of God. And the devil, the devil is never going to tell you to give it. So if God speaks, give it. You know it's him. Amen. Now, Father, I bless this congregation. I bless these missionaries. I bless this family. I bless God as pastor, every person. I now pray for Sunday services. God, we're looking to you for great outpouring of talent and giftingness. We're looking to you for a great outpouring of the anointing of your Holy Spirit. God, we are praying and we are believing you. We are indebted to you. But this Sunday, we're going to come take up our cross and follow you. And we're going to be excited about what it is you choose to do. And God, through each one of us, we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Shake somebody's hand you don't like, okay? God bless you as you go. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul.